0: Hello, and welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint Podcast. I am Elliot Shibley, and here with me, as always, is the gracious Bob Demena.
1: Thank you, Elliot. Um, so before we get into our show, I just want to reiterate that you can sign up for a free one-month trial of Audible through our affiliate link at audibletrial.com forward slash TTBpodcast.com, or you can go to our website and click the link in the upper right hand corner. It would be greatly appreciated and it is of no cost to you. Cancel it at any time. (laughs) Doesn't matter to us.
0: (laughs) Not at all. All right. Today's guest is a friend of a friend and a friend to all. Although he has many study abroads under his belt, he only started traveling a few short years ago. But what makes Today's guest unique is the way he remembers his travels and his ability to conjure up a conversation with strangers out of nowhere. Without further introduction, please welcome Kevin Swanick. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Kevin, welcome to the show. I heard about you through Charlie um, and he highly recommended you to talk about your experiences, studying abroad and how you make memories through your trips, rather than taking photos, you have a unique way of capturing the place by sketching and doing watercolor paintings. So welcome. And why don't we get right into your study abroad experiences through the Penn state landscape architecture program.
2: Yeah, um well first I want to say Penn State landscape architecture program is great because they provide a lot of opportunities uh for kids to get out um and study not just in all over like the US. They'll take kids to Southwest um United States, Arizona area and study that landscape, but they'll also take kids to Barcelona, Tanzania, um and Germany. So, my first time abroad ever, not just study abroad. Um was when I went to Barcelona with Penn State, uh, specifically the landscape architecture program. So that, that was for six weeks. And it was cool because I started out that six weeks with my brother. He was doing an internship in Germany. And so we just spent a few days beforehand just um, exploring the city, so that was awesome. Um, and that was really where I started to uh, create some travel habits that have um, stuck through the years. And one of them was was painting and drawing, which I learned from my good friend, David. Um, shout out if he's listening but uh and then the other thing i think was i'm a very social person very friendly and so i say the i'd say the other way that i try to let the landscape or, or the place in general uh, make a mark on me is by creating like interesting random unique friendships with uh, the, the the local people um so barcelona i made my I made a friend named titi and i uh, i bought a bike from her and <laughs> we would go by the bike shop every single day on our way to class And we just became such good friends just by smiling. Uh, She actually offered me a job to work at the bike shop. Um, And I tried to work there when I graduated, but it didn't work out for whatever reason. But that was my first time abroad.
0: Wow, Um, that's an awesome experience. Yeah,
2: Yeah, it was great. It was really great. That was only one aspect of it. But yeah, TT is awesome. Um, And then I went to uh, Ireland for a week. That was my second time. Um, And that one was probably the most interesting because it was only for a week but it was by myself and so that was through Penn State and what it was was a travel scholarship and so um you enter into this writing contest where you say I want to study the landscape in this um country or city anywhere in the world and you say like I want to study in this way and, and it's so open ended it's just, that's that's really it and you just write a A page worth of information about how you want to like how you see the landscape how you want to study it and how you want to record it and bring what you've learned back and so i wrote an essay called the narrative landscape and i wanted to go to ireland the west coast bike bike across like along the west coast of ireland um and just study the narrative landscape and we could get into that for, for a little bit but um what do you mean
0: by the narrative landscape
2: yeah well it's interesting it's kind of hard to explain because you kind of have to have like a super abstract mind because it doesn't make complete sense even to me but essentially it's just like uh the landscape tells a story and then there's also layers within the landscape and so if you pay attention to certain details or certain layers of information i guess um you can you can begin to string together a narrative um and so for instance i think some examples i used in my essay were um in Barcelona, there was the Civil War in Barcelona in the 1930s. Um, and then and, uh, there was a lot of casualties on either side. But uh, in some areas of Barcelona in the city, there are churches with gunshots in the wall where they used to, um, like, execute people during the Civil War. And so you can go and, like, put your hands, like, over those bullet holes. And, like, that's kind of the narrative landscape. And so then in Ireland, there's a lot of ancient, ancient... Um, Things left behind and yeah and so I went to go study all of that um wow on yeah it was really cool and it was by myself so although it wasn't a different speaking language country um it was still really uh it was a journey it was a yeah Yeah. I was
0: exploring that's really cool uh, yeah so before you you said before you went to Spain and Barcelona you had never traveled outside the country
2: that's right, yeah.
0: Were you nervous for it?
2: Um, no, I wasn't. And actually, me and my brother had a conversation. Uh, and it went something like this. It was the first night we were in Barcelona. We were j- we just had some wine, you know, just uh, relaxing in the near the Mediterranean Sea, a really beautiful city. But we were just remarking on how a lot of pressure is put on, like, um, how different everything's going to be when you're over in another country or like, you know, some people get like shell-shocked or just like a really, it hits them in a, in a really significant way and sometimes in a bad way. But me and my brother were saying, you know, these people are just kind of, they're human beings. Um, and you know, it's just beautiful neighborhoods, but it's nothing that you can't conquer, you know? So I think like we weren't we weren't nervous at all. And I spoke good Spanish, good enough. Um, yeah. And it was, and so we, I, I, made a seamless transition, I think, to, to the city. All
0: right. That's good. I know some people struggle with dealing with culture shock and even preparing to be away from home for six weeks.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, my, my, my third journey abroad through Penn State as well, they gave me a lot of opportunities abroad. So that's great. But, um, um, my third time was for four months and that's when I really felt, um, that study abroad experience where you got, where you kind of There's moments where you struggle, you know, so I felt it that the four months was really long. Six weeks wasn't too bad, especially in Barcelona, um, just really beautiful. But in Bonn, Germany, like in the pretty like working class city of Germany, it's not so shiny, you know, so.
0: No, and especially in Bonn. Bonn's a little... (laughs) Bonn's a little wet and a little dreary sometimes. Dreary is a good yeah, a good word. Is that me. where
1: you went too, Elliot?
0: Yeah, I, I did the same program in Bonn. Yep. Oh, yeah. no way. Yeah.
1: That's awesome.
0: And did you stay with a host family in Bonn or did you live alone?
2: I actually um I don't know if they had this when you went, but there's this apartment called Termstrasse. Um and so there were um Ten of us in this one, like a like a apartment unit. Um, Ten Penn Staters, all, all landscape architects. So, none I didn't live with the host family or live alone. And I think honestly, I would have preferred to like branch out a little bit, but it was still
0: fun. Uh, when you were studying in Bonn, what were some of the highlights in terms of the actual school material? Did you study at a program in Bonn, or was it through? Like, did Penn State professors follow you there and you learned from them or did you learn from German professors? Um, it, we we learned from German professors,
2: but it wasn't it through a, a university in Bonn. It was, um, it's called AIB. And I can ne- re- never remember exactly what that stands for because it's in German and, you know, it's just AIB. But uh, <laughs> they were all German professors, but they were all focused on Penn State students. Also, also, Texas A&M students, but they were in the same class as us. So I'd say my, um... My highlights in terms of the actual experience, academic-wise, um, would be my experience with like the the books they had in our school environment. I've always been like, I always love going to libraries and just kind of looking around, exploring, and just picking out random books. And I'd say I learned the most about landscape architecture out of all my four and a half years at at the, like with this collection of books they had because they were all just like it had like a weird german european influence on the landscape architecture theory but it was also just like really applicable to what we were doing so that was kind of my secret like half blood prince you know, <laughs> secret expert opinion
0: so yeah yeah
2: i'd say that was my highlight
0: that's awesome yeah and what did you when uh let's back up through the study abroad program did you gain insight about the world about yourself through your travels
2: Yeah, you do. But not I I don't think it's in a way that's very definable, you know, so it's hard to put it into like a a neat answer. But you definitely learn so like so much about yourself and so much about the world and similarities and differences between cultures. But it's nothing that you can you can, it's nothing you can learn without actually going there. And like kind of being in that environment. I think you also, I I think two things happen. One is that you gain more trust in yourself, more confidence, especially if you go out on your own or you explore, even if, if it's in your own neighborhood. When you explore on your own in a place that doesn't speak English and, you, you know, you're by yourself, you really have this sense of independence, which could be scary at first. But when you let when you let that happen, you you, you gain a lot of confidence and esteem.
0: Yeah, I found that the one of the first times I traveled, you really it really opens up your mind. You don't really get that same mind-opening capabilities when you travel within the U.S. There's not as much culture shock is part of it, but it's just being somewhere that you're not familiar with, you're uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and you can get that a little bit in the States, especially if you're from the Northeast and you go to the West Coast or yeah, yeah. the South or the Midwest even. They're a little different, but there's still, still familiarities that make you feel comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And when you travel to Barcelona... Even if you know the language, it's still it's still different because everywhere, everyone that in the United States speaks English, there's right. some, everyone that we usually surround ourselves with speak English. And there's a lot of Spanish speaking, there's a lot of Arabic, there's a lot of other languages in the United States, but it's not as prevalent as English. And yeah. we become familiar and complacent with that and then even going to Ireland where English is still prevalent, it's a different, a very different and strong accent.
2: Yeah, lovely accent, yeah.
0: It is, it is.
2: I would say going off of that, languages I think are like one of the most beautiful parts of traveling and I think when I was in high school there were some people who had the opinion that we shouldn't have Spanish class, it's dumb, it's a waste of time and that is like, that's so tragic because like just being able to communicate with someone in their language you gain trust with that person immediately. They immediately think, like, you're over here to experience what I'm like. It's the, it's the typical American tourist that can't speak the language, which is fine. Languages are difficult. But um, I think if you can manage to get that... Um,
1: it's, language- it's like you join their club, in a way. You that's know, you're part exactly, of their club. That's they exactly accept it. you as sort of being not one of their own, but they see the effort and they appreciate the effort. And then in turn, they're going to be friendlier with you. They're going to give you information on the country or the town or which restaurants to go you're gonna yeah. gain something that you would not have done otherwise yeah i yeah. Right. i want to learn italian so bad and yeah. i tried it's just it's just so time consuming especially you know when you have a lot going on it's it's hard to do
2: yeah you also need that like you need to practice it and so if you're not in italy right like spain or mexico you can't really you need you need to like be in that environment you know
1: yeah right or, you need somebody yourself. to to do it with you too elliot if you want to uh start learning italian let me know we'll go back and forth (laughs) all right i think if you just had at least one person to converse with as you learn it 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 might help out yeah yeah
0: the other thing with language is that language and specifically americans that foreigners hate about us is the fact that a lot of us and i'm not speaking for everyone but i am speaking for a lot of the american tourists when we go abroad we have a little bit of arrogance and we expect people to speak english and yeah, we, no, exactly right. we assume they all know it and we don't even try like bob said it it goes a long way to try to learn the language even pick up small words like hello thank you you're welcome mm-hmm. excuse yeah. me just those little pieces absolutely
1: that's i try to do that um everywhere i go at the minimum hello yeah. goodbye thank you um yeah, they
2: just enough to survive, you know. The bathroom can't forget about the bathroom. Yes, yeah, the bathroom.
1: Yeah. Beer. <laughs> Beer is right. always a good one to know.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. food. Beer, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So, so Kevin, in, in addition to. So, you know, obviously your experience is incredibly important to you. And when people are traveling, they typically go, they take a ton of pictures, they dump them on Instagram, and they're awesome. I love taking pictures. I think it's, yeah, it's sure, an amazing yeah. thing to do to be able to freeze that moment, bring it back with you and look back on it forever. You went a step further, and I love it. And I'm very curious, you know, you have to gain something by doing what you do. And that is actually painting scenes That I guess you're submerged and you're situated in a certain area with a nice view, and you actually paint that, Mm -hmm. and the patience that I'm assuming is involved, and you you your senses on your observations have to tick up way more than if you're taking a picture, and just let's just talk about that. I want to just hear it from you.
2: Um, Yeah, yeah, I won't come out here and be like I'm anti photography or anything, you know, but uh, I on my own person. on my own personal journey, I developed a habit of painting through landscape architecture. And so um, my, my good friend, David Kim, is a really, really like brilliant artist. He's, he's, he has a great talent for drawing, hand drawing, hand skills, painting too. Um, and when we were in Barcelona, he kind of sat me down and we would go places. And when we were with our class um, at all these cool places like La Sagrada Familia or Parkwell, you know, um, he sat me down and we would practice drawing. And it was so cool because he has just such an awesome perspective about it that you can easily get better. And most people will just say, I'm not good at drawing and give it up. But I believe like any, anyone can draw, anyone can paint. And so I started to do that. And what I found was um, if I were to take a, like a picture of all the places I went to, I, I would probably take like 20 pictures while I'm walking and never look at them again. That's, that's just me, that's how I am. Um, and I won't remember the the things I took pictures of. Um, and and I think they just mean less to me. But when I sit down in one spot and paint for four hours, um, this one area, you you like the the place you are just leaves an impression on you that is now a part of you in a way that photography, it's just on your phone, but like when you really sit down, because painting, it's less about the the result. It's less about the actual painting when you finish it. It's more about actually sitting there. And I think what you said, how it takes so much patience. Like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm going to get, I'm, I got to get up. Like, I got to quit this. This is a bad painting. This is a bad drawing. People are looking at me weird. Um, I got to get out of here. You know, I have things to do. But, like, you have to fight those thoughts until you get to a point four hours later. And I have never been calmer than after doing a painting, like, in one of the cities I've been to or anything like that. It's, I recommend it to anyone you just, you just,
1: yeah, go ahead can you uh, give me a specific location that you painted and, and what that experience was like? What was one of your favorite spots that you've ever painted?
2: oh, that's tough. um my best painting, I think was one that I did in Barcelona and I was in Poble sec, a neighborhood um that isn't as touristy it's not as old city but it's 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 a really beautiful neighborhood um and I just sat on these big large steps over and it was like so there's there, there's Montjuic, there's um it's it's this big like mountain right next to the sea but it's like right in the city and there's parks all over the face of the mountain um and so I, actually there were two paintings i did in that area um and it's just such a beautiful place like regardless of whether i painted that's one of my favorite places i've traveled but the colors i think it was just the place i was left a good impression on me so that like the colors i put on paper were were just vibrant and exciting um it was just the colors of the building they're they're made of clay, so they're really bright and and like easy on the eyes and when there's blue and red and yellow houses all lined up um it makes for a good painting so I think that's probably my favorite spot
0: yeah i, I love i love that painting. so sorry I'm, I'm I'm looking at it on your instagram page right now and it is i it is one of my favorites that you've done
1: yeah I have to I post it,
0: it. I, yeah. I gave it
2: i gave it uh away to a friend which i um partially regret because now I don't have it, <laughs> but oh, no. <laughs> no, it was, it was I gave it to my German teacher in Germany. So ah. uh, she had it in a room that now, so I don't feel too bad about it.
1: That's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah. yeah. Or cool,
1: yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well,
2: go on, you guys got to
1: And so what about, you know, that's the landscape. Do you, do you include people in these pictures?
2: Um, sometimes I, you know, as an, as you know, a painter or a drawer, you, you're better at something, some things than you are at others. Um, so although I like drawing people, they don't always look great and like in a, like a finished painting. They're very sketchy and unfinished, um, which looks good in some drawings. But um, well, I saw
1: you're one of the chapel. I, I don't. Where was oh, that from? Yeah.
2: that was in Ireland. That was that was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really peaceful because it was in a yeah it was in a church. It was during mass, um, and you know I'm American, but I have a I have a strong Irish heritage. Um, one hundred percent. Apparently, <laughs> I'd say that's pretty strong. I take a test or anything, but my family tells us you know we're all from Ireland. But uh, and I was raised Catholic, so going to a mass in Ireland, even though I don't go to church anymore, don't tell my parents. But no, uh, <laughs> uh, going to a mass in Ireland was just it really hit my roots, you know. So that was cool to paint for an hour there.
1: And do you just you actually bring paint and brushes, and do you just did you put it down like in the pew yeah. next to you and just yeah, start? Yeah. And did people, what about when you have to get, you know, stand up, kneel, get down, what'd you do it? Oh, yeah? I
2: mean, <laughs> I think one of the exciting parts about painting is like being in those weird positions and just, it, I think like sitting at a desk and drawing every day is great. You're going to do like great work. And, um, but if you really want to challenge yourself and try to like discover the mastery of the brush or the, or the tip of the pencil, if you're like crouched, like on one knee, like while it's raining and you can still manage to draw that straight line i think like that's that's really um a goal of mine is to be in that kind of uncomfortable spot and still just like let the drawing speak for itself kind of you know? i like
1: that a lot i like that yeah, and i'm sure you know it's not going to be perfect because you're going to have to move up and down and i i i would view those imperfections as part of the story you know you, you might remember Whatever caused you to maybe draw the line the wrong way, or you know whatever it may be, and yeah. and it can bring you back to that moment and maybe Absolutely. add to the feelings that you had in that time as you were painting that. That's really cool, man. I really think that's awesome. I'm excited yeah. to to share some of your work on our page and and get it uh, out there.
0: And I, and I appreciate it. Yeah, and actually, I, there's the, yeah, go ahead. So your painting is, uh, I think, is a phenomenal way of remembering the place because in every single one of your paintings, you can look back and you if you compared it to a photo you know what made an impact on you because you either didn't draw it or you focused on it
2: i love that yeah and that's not something i think about because that those paintings were kind of you were you're like me painting it was very natural and so you i love that you're saying that because i never really thought about it but i do choose what made an impression on me or no i don't even
0: choose it no it's just there it's yeah. yeah What cool. what made an impression on you comes out through your pen and your paintbrush on the paper.
2: Very genuinely, yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Actually, the the one that I really, my favorite one, uh, the Barcelona one on the steps, public Um, If you look at it, some of the some of the line work doesn't make sense. You know, some of the light poles are bent. You know, at angles. But like what you're saying, the imp- imperfections kind of give it a character. Um, it's like super, just a super genuine what's your instagram
1: handle i'm gonna look it up right now
2: it's called don pablo underscore official all
0: right yeah it's great and i i love so you have a mixture of pen drawings um, with watercolor and just pen drawings yeah and as as a landscape architect we do use those lightweight pens all the time and yeah they're all I love how they look, and then that, do you have to wait a li- I know this is getting a little technical, but do you have to wait uh, a little bit before you start to use the watercolor so it doesn't bleed?
2: Um, so, me, my personality um, is kind of uh, laissez-faire, and so when I paint, I, I'm not a very technically skilled painter, I would say. You know, I don't know how long to wait or how much water to mix with the pigment. I kind of just go with the flow, and whatever happens, happens, so I've definitely drawn on line work that wasn't ready to be or painted on line work that was still a little wet, but for the most part, you know, it holds up, but I think it's fun when it, when the
0: ink dries cause then it just adds a little more style, you know? Yeah. Do you ever get, do you ever get people come up to you or do you have people come up to you and start talking to you about what you're painting, discuss it, anything like that?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've made a lot of interesting friendships with, um, People, yeah, just people like looking at me draw or paint and I'll talk to them a little bit or um, I'll give them a painting, which is really great. Um, Yeah. In Ireland, um, actually, the story that Charlie probably recommended for me to come on here for was this was this story. So I was in Ireland and it was the week long one uh, where I was by myself. And and that was my favorite experience, probably maybe in my life because it was just such a journey. I was biking in the rain, I was meeting new people, I was in um bars along the harbor, um in old really old Irish villages and stuff and just meeting cool people. And um the first day I was there, I was a little lonely, you know. I didn't know where to go. I was in Galway for like 2 or 3 days. Um and it's not an enormous city, and so once you get there, you're kind of there. Um and but I ended up going in this place called Busker Browns and um I started dancing with like these three old ladies. It was like <laughs> a it was like a Galway J, Galway Bay jazz club or jazz band and they were playing like really old swing music and at first I was just watching the atmosphere but then the, like these three these these old ladies were dancing and you know I was moving a little bit too cuz I, I liked the music and um they pulled me onto the dance floor so I was just dancing with them and it was really funny but then at the end the, the one lady um she was she was recommending me everywhere to go to see good music while i was there um and so she wrote down all these times where i could find like old traditional irish music um and it was awesome like i so i was set i was set up and that night at the crane bar they were playing old old irish music you know uh something they do every sunday night at 7 p.m and so i show up there i'm really excited this is the first um like event I was going to, I guess, or the first time I was going to really listen to that Irish music in the pub. And, and I walk in and it's completely quiet. And it's probably the size of, it, it was like 20 by 40 foot room um, with a bar. There was two people to my left and like four or five, maybe six people on the right. No music, really quiet, no stage or anything. I was like, where am I? Where? How did I get here? So I was like, all right, I'll stay for a beer um, and then get out of here. So I went up to the bartender. I got a Guinness. They taste great over there, by the way.
1: I've um, heard they taste so much better over there than the beer. Over here. It's
2: a whole different beer. Actually. It like.
1: is. It's the water.
2: Yeah, it must be. It must be. <laughs> um, um, but yes, yeah, so I sat down. And I was just drinking my beer, and all of a sudden, the, a whole band behind me—the four or five people in the back corner, just sitting at you know tables and chairs and drinking beer—pulled out a bunch of instruments and just started playing. So they weren't on a stage, and they were all circled into each other. So it was really cool because they weren't playing for an audience; they were just jamming together. <laughs> it was it was so cool. Um, and then you know, eventually people started to show up and listen because it's you know it's such a great environment. But um, they 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 took a break at one point. An old man who was playing with them um, came over to the bar, talked to the bartender. He's a really chatty guy, as a lot of Irish people are. And then he like turned to me and was like, "Hey, what's up?" And I was like, "Hey, what's going on?" His name was Peter. I was like, I'm Kevin. He was like, come sit with us. Uh, and so he, he pulled up a chair and I sat with them and they gave me a drum and I played with them for about an hour. Um, like, just wow. I have I actually have a drum, I could show you the drum. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry,
1: Play that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a really cool experience. That's something that, uh, yeah, I don't so know. I'm just... sorry
2: if you were at home, can't see I this. Know. but this is what this is an old, um. Badran drum. It's like really, it's like an old Celtic instrument. Um, they gave it, it to you? What?
1: They gave it to you after you were done?
2: No, actually, they recommended me uh, a music store to go to
0: to buy one. Okay. Um, and so I did. That would have been cool if that was the same one. though. <laughs> but, <laughs> that would have been cool. So how, um, do you, how do you play it? Is it just hands or do you actually use drumsticks?
2: I, I, I'm i not going to try and play it because I am awful,
0: you know? And I think if I played it,
2: I might hurt someone's ears. But um, it's like a drum I actually don't know where the stick is, which is why I also why um, I won't play it. But yeah, you hold it <laughs> on your on your knee, and then you strum it like a guitar with like a, a, a drum stick. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Now, and it's, now it's, I really want to hear it. It's, it's it's like a super quick rhythm. Actually, on my Instagram, there's a video. It's very short, but it's at the bottom. But it's um, a video of me with very short hair. You might not recognize me. <laughs> um, but you can hear the music that's playing. I don't know if you'll be able, be able to find it.
0: Are you looking it up, Elliot? I am. I'll find it really quick, and we'll we'll edit out the silence. Wait. Okay. Cool. 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 I can talk while you're looking. I think
1: I it. found it, Elliot. You want me to play it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: that's like the Irish experience. So you know, bar, it check, it Guinness. Do they drink their beer warm? Is that is that no, true? No, no. Yeah. I always okay. had a
2: cold. Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: Maybe some people do. I'm not sure.
1: That's weird. Um,
2: but yeah, I played with them. And actually, Peter was great. But I made friends with um, the, the the a really good drummer that was sitting next to me. His name was Mutz. Um, and they called him Munchie. So this is <laughs> Munchie. His story is really crazy. But uh, he was from the Netherlands. And he says he hates uh, Dutch people. He's Dutch. He says he hates Dutch people. Um, they don't care about anyone over there um and he would always be breaking up bar fights and uh yeah and and he was very serious so i was listening to him uh this is after a few beers too so it was later in the night but he was (laughs) like uh, um yeah i'd always be breaking up fights and then one day I, i was breaking up a fight and someone pulled out a knife um and it cut and the knife cut him across the neck and so he started to um he was holding his neck on the ground and no one helped him up everyone left and so he walked himself it wasn't like extremely far, but it was, it was. He he walked himself to a hospital and went into a coma for a week. Um, wow. And when he woke up, he left, never went back, and went to Galway, Ireland. And he's been he had he has been there for like twenty five years or something. Um, but he's a great drummer. He has a ton of instruments in his like suitcase that he brings around. And he was teaching me how to play. Um, and we became really good friends to the point where I showed him my paintings. Um, and we started talking about his experiences and and um, like Donegal, uh, those areas that are more wild, more rural, I would say. Um, and, he, and he said he loves uh, graveyards especially. He, he just loves the solemnness and um, the atmosphere. And he said, I told him I was going to Bali Nahona the next day, which is a town, like on the West Coast in a rural place. And he says it's his fa- favorite cemetery that he's ever visited in his life. And so I told him I would paint him a picture of it. Um, and in, in return, he sung me, um, he sung me a song about the cemetery, about and it was such a really crazy experience because everyone in the bar was quiet, and he was just singing this song and he and he was singing it to the to the bar, but he sang it for me because it was, you know, about the cemetery and this town that I was going to. um And so, yeah, the next day, like I left, I went out there. Uh, I went to the Aaron Islands, but then on my way back to Galway, I stopped it. I stopped there and painted something. um and eventually. I went back a couple months later, so I was there in March, and then in October, we were we were in Germany, and during that time, I went to Galway, and I didn't, we didn't have each other's number or anything, or email, or it, it was just like, we saw each other in person, that was it, I told him I would paint him a picture, and bring him, bring it back to him on day. Um and so it wasn't years later, but it was still cool, because I walked in in October, on a Sunday, uh, in Galway, Ireland, at the Crane Bar, and he was in there, and so I gave him the picture, and it was a really great reunion. Um, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, it was awesome. awesome, man. It was cool.
0: It did was you really... did you take a photo of the picture before you gave it to him?
2: Uh th- it should be on there. It should be on the on Instagram. It's a there's like a cross. Um, I actually, I think I could have done a paint a better painting for him. Um, <laughs> but the, yeah, it's a, it's of a cemetery. I don't know. I might look and see. I'm not sure if I have one. It should be in like the, the towards the bottom in the group of Ireland paintings.
1: Have you ever tried to sell these or anything like that?
2: Um. I haven't. People tell me I should. Um, I haven't gotten around to it. I'm not against selling them, but I also do like the idea of painting for friends um, and just sending them whatever I paint them. It's really uh It's more of like a human connection thing than like a um, a money thing, which is nice. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah.
0: If if you're ever interested, Bob and I would love love a painting from you. Oh,
2: absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, sure. Yeah, give me a dress and I'll send you one over. That'd be <laughs> All great. right.
0: Um, and I. It, Ireland is holds a dear place in my heart as well. Uh my yeah. wife is not fully Irish. She's not as strong Irish as you are. She's only 25%. Sure. She wishes she was 125%. Everybody does, everybody. <laughs> but she she's an Irish dancer. Well, was an Irish dancer uh, for almost 10 years and we were there while I was studying in Germany. We did spring break there. Uh, we we only did we did like a bus tour. We did something very old and touristy but we just did the southern ring loop it's worth it though it was it was the easiest thing to do we didn't want to have to worry about driving or setting up our own uh, hotel rooms transportation and we have so many great stories and a few of them like the first pub we went to in waterford we it was just like a monday night it was dead and there was only one pub open and we went in we got our guinnesses and we, we ended up playing darts with these two Irish guys that we could barely understand.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, they're speaking a different language, even though they're speaking English. Yeah. It's really crazy. And Amanda prides herself in understanding Irish accents and Scottish yeah. accents, and she didn't understand it. She got maybe every fifth
1: word. But Scottish is even harder. Scottish yeah. is harder. <laughs> yeah. I
2: would say the hardest accent I've ever listened to, uh, in that region at least, was... Uh, on the Aran Islands, not, not on the mainland Ireland, but way on the West coast. Uh, I was talking to a guy in a bar and most people you can understand, but this guy, he was like 70 years old, definitely probably never left that Island. Um, and I did not, I
0: just like nodded my head and was like, hey. <laughs> yeah, it's got a long thing you can do. <laughs> yeah um, idea. And so one of the other trips we were stops was near the near blarney and the blarney stone and we had dinner one night at an irish pub there was a bunch of people there there was going to be irish music and amanda was like i'm just going to ask him if i can dance to it if they'll play a reel and so she went up and talked to the musician who was playing an accordion and he was like "Yeah, i'll play a reel for you how fast do you want it and she was like not too fast i want to i haven't danced in a while (laughs) so (laughs) he played the reel and she danced for a good like three minutes like i think she did two two jigs through the reel and everyone that's awesome. yeah she said it was one of the highlights of her life up until that point
2: I'm sure it is is, I'm sure. and it i is. wish
0: i had a video I, I got a photo right before she started and right and like kind of in the middle but that was awesome
2: yeah that's so
0: cool yeah. so it's,
2: it's like a similar experience you just you're in the club like we were saying earlier when you can like you know sit there and play music or sit there and, and dance with the culture you're you're kind of you're in the
0: club so people i'd say that's awesome yeah and just try to try to connect on any level possible because we're all in the end we're all human and as yeah Yeah.
1: and if you attempt to make the connection with these people it's gonna happen you know and I just I I would wish everybody just takes that opportunity because if you're showing up, you know, you're going to, uh, you know, Ireland, Spain, Italy, wherever you're going to go travel. And you just you show up, you take your pictures of the Colosseum or whatever it is, and then you go about your way. You're missing out on so much. Absolutely. It's so important to understand, you know, if you want to really understand the Colosseum and what it's like to live in Rome, meet that person at the, you know, at the bar and and get a really good idea of what's going on yeah
2: making that effort to kind of go out of the way a little bit it's it's worth it. There's a lot mm. more to gain, yeah, sure.
0: yeah, it's pretty awesome. So do you have any other uh awesome experiences like that while you're traveling in Germany at all? Um, let's see.
2: Can
1: you list the countries that you've been to? Uh,
2: yeah, I can try. I will say I, I don't have a great memory.' So I <laughs> remembered all the details of that story of those stories I told you, but um well, so I started out in Spain in Barcelona, then I went to Ireland um then i showed up in germany um and this is where it gets a little fuzzy um i went to ireland three times during that stint in germany and i went to the netherlands three times um big fan of the netherlands even though um munchie doesn't like touch me Uh, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but i I so yeah um i went to a jazz concert there that was awesome and let's see i went to france uh see here's the thing <laughs> um, i didn't go to a lot of countries and a lot of people went to a lot of countries but i think i did it. i did it a little differently and there's, there's no right or wrong way but um i went back to the same places multiple times um because i think i i just i developed like a relationship with that place with that location um Eindhoven, netherlands was one galway ireland's another barcelona spain i went back to barcelona I like returning to places because you kind of get a a new experience every time, and it's more it's it's more layered. You, it grows more than just going to new places yeah. uh, every weekend. And not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, a lot of people went to a lot of cool places. Well, you started, and I missed out on them. As
0: you as you mentioned earlier, you start to build a narrative of your trips.
2: That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Layer yeah. upon layer. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the cool thing is like when you go the first time, you're kind of observing the narrative. You know, you're seeing it. But you're not a part of it. But when you start to go back and you have these relationships with locals and stuff, you do become woven in with that narrative.
0: You become part of that place for sure. That's awesome. It's like yeah. it, I, not to not to stretch this metaphor too far, but it's like the first time Luster. you go, <laughs> the first time you go there is like you're you're getting your piece of paper out, and the next time you go there, you're sketching in your memories, and then the the next time you start to build on those, add more detail, and I every build time new colors, yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: and i would say i would say the key thing like for traveling is to have people to go back to as well even if it's just like a bike shop owner or some drummer in a bar you know it's worth it just to develop that friendship where you could you you could come back and they would recognize you i think that's that's a good goal to have
0: as part of your and as part of our uh tradition with the traveler's blueprint we've been asking guests a little bit about their experience to touch on if we had an aspiring traveler, someone especially young that may be in college currently or high school, um, that is looking for a way to travel, how best do you recommend they start looking for, uh, study abroads to go to? And do you recommend doing a study abroad with many classmates or would you recommend doing it, trying to do it alone?
2: Well, I think, uh, Everyone has their own style of traveling, so I'm not going to say mine's the best or anything. Um, I will say that if you are like me, going alone is a much more gratifying and um, worthy experience than going with a bunch of classmates. For instance, when I went to Barcelona, I was there with my brother, but he had left. And so I had probably a day or two before the rest of my classmates showed up. And during those two days, I didn't speak any English. I only spoke Spanish. I was I was in that country. I was in that city walking around. There was no one I could Speak English to you know, confide and be comfortable with. And I thought that that was my best experience in Barcelona. When everyone showed up, I stopped speaking Spanish, I spoke English with my classmates. It was easier to stay with them as a group. Um, so I think like if you're looking to uh push yourself out into the world, going alone goes a long way. And you and you and you can go, for instance, go with a program to Germany. And then every other, or once a month, go on your own journey. So you can mix it up. You don't have to go somewhere by yourself for a year, you know. But uh, if you sprinkle in those individual experiences, it's it's a good thing. As far as finding them, finding those programs, especially at college, um, well, it's a growing field. So there's a lot more opportunities now to study abroad than ever before, which is great. And then the other thing I would say is my best ex- my the best opportunity I took advantage of was go, entering into a writing contest to get a scholarship to go. Because if you just go as part of a program, it's great, but it's also just pay, paying for another semester. But Or it might be even more expensive. But um, when I went to Ireland for that week, I didn't, I didn't spend any money because the scholarship allowed me to go. And it was just based off of my own curiosity, my own interest, uh, my own ideas. And because of that, I was able to go for free for a great experience. So... I, I did spend a little extra on uh, Guinness, but I don't. I didn't tell <laughs> them. Um, yeah, so take advantage of scholarships. That, I, I, I think that can't be said enough.
0: All right, and I guess in in the adult world, try to find grants. Uh, do you remember? Yes. Do you remember Mike Farnioli?
2: Um. Oh, that sounds so familiar. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I do actually. Yeah. I know.
0: Yeah. So he was on. Yeah, he was on, we had him on, uh, a few weeks ago and he talked about his, he did a research trip in the Northwest studying light rail and he was able to get a grant from his employer to travel for three weeks and do this research on the public transportation systems in Portland and Seattle. And he, it was completely paid for and all he had to do was write, write an essay.
2: Wow. Who does he work for?
0: EDSA. In Fort okay. Lauderdale,
2: that's awesome. I saw so he's probably a good hand handdrawer as well.
0: You know, i i I haven't seen his work. I would imagine he is, given that he's also a landscape architect.
2: I've heard. I've heard EDSA e- is a good is a heavy hand drawn. Uh-huh. uh affirm, So I'm sure he's pretty. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think uh, there's a lot of creativity to be had in writing grants because you can probably be pretty like uh, resourceful in getting that money to go study something you just have to pitch it right that's where all that essay writing skill comes in you know yeah yeah no one exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> no one does pay attention to that anymore uh, yeah. um, well i appreciate you taking the time to come off i know you had a uh, flight today so you must be pretty tired
2: it wasn't too bad but yeah i'm glad i came on that was a lot of fun
0: all right that is our show I don't know about you, Bob, but I really, really hope he paints something for us on his next trip.
1: I know. that That's such a cool thing that he does. And I, I've never heard of anybody else doing that. I, yeah, I want one.
0: I know. I So I, do, I try to sketch some places, but I've never painted. And I never sit more than, like, 30 minutes to an hour. That, that requires a lot of patience.
1: I'm envious of the experiences that he has had doing that. And the intimacy that he must feel with that setting. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that'll fit into your schedules though.
1: Well, you just schedule for it. Come on, Elliot. (laughs) You can (laughs) sit for four hours. hours. If you plan for it, then you can make it happen. It's all about the planning.
0: But what about those three other stops that you
1: could have gone to? You just do them a different day and you appreciate the time that you have in that place. All right. all right, It's all about planning. It's all about developing your blueprint. All right, everyone. So thank you again for being dedicated listeners. Please reach out to us on iTunes or Instagram, Facebook, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts or want to communicate with us. We'd appreciate it and we really enjoy hearing from you. Um, thank you.